our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. And welcome. We're here at the One Tough Mother Show. We had a big week. We have a great guest. I'm always excited to have guests in the studio. And we have her in the studio today, right, Seth? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, she's a dear friend. She's been, um, we've been in contact for a long, long time. And one hell of an interesting life. Let me just say it that way. Much more interesting than my life. And probably more interesting than Seth's. But in the meantime, Seth, that's what okay. happened? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. You're okay with that? Yeah. With your boring life? Sure. How's the neighbor? The neighbor's on, been on vacation for weeks. It's great. Oh, my God. She's not harassing it's you? It's great. She lives on a food stamps, and, and but she goes on a vacation for five weeks. I love her life. That is the best. You know yeah. what? It's time to maybe do go down there and mess around with something. Uh, no, I'm not doing All that. All right. Yeah. Just that, that's what I would do. I don't. You know, just two wrongs don't make a right, Karen. I got to yeah, 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 be a good yeah. example for my children. You're right. You're Thank right. Thank you. Do you know when she's coming back? Uh, a couple of weeks. Oh, geez. It's going to be tough, dude. I, I got to move. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be spring. Wait, wait. Are you going to move this year? Uh, I'm going to move as soon as I'm able to move. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're actively looking? Yeah. Oh, good, good. You yeah. looking to buy? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of people your age aren't buying. Who wants to pay taxes? Right. It's a, if you buy, that means you buy and then you have to pay rent, like with the property tax. It's yeah, like yeah. paying rent and mortgage at the same time. My taxes are higher than my mortgage. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm it, just going to move into your house. you have room for us? Uh, yeah. I'll give actually, you like 500 um, a month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we don't have room. Okay. <laughs> we would have if you'd said 5,000. Damn it. Uh. I have a shed we would put electric into. Nice. But anyway, it's, it's one of those mini houses. It's not a real yeah. shed. It's a mini house. Yeah, a mini Get house. over it forever. Yeah. But anyway, um, thank you guys for coming on again and listening because we have a great show. And before we do, I want to talk about our sponsor. Seth's going to whine and cry because I didn't bring fish in. I have not been to the farm, but I will get out there. We have American Cobalt Aqua Farms. It's an arapaima, which is a fish, which is a superfood. It's loaded with omega-3, omega-6 protein and collagen. And it, it is truly a chef's dream because I took it to a chef. My girlfriend Pam is one of the top executive chefs in Atlantic City and before I took them on as a sponsor, I just wanted to see myself what she thought about it and um, I actually want to pay for them to, or have them pay for me to go to Atlantic City. So nice. <laughs> I went down and I took her a bunch of fish and she gave it to a bunch of her friends who are chefs. She loved it. She said it was amazing. It's a uh, white fish. It's mild. It's, it's great for just about any dish and it's really versatile. American Cobalt Aqua Farms takes pride in supplying healthy and nutritious food through responsible, sustainable, eco-friendly aquaculture. And I was there. The place rocks. I mean, I haven't been there for a couple of weeks. I have to go back because I promised Seth Fish. 
and um, it's amazing. I want to go. I want to check it out. You want to go with me? Yeah. Okay, we'll take a ride one day. Yeah, we should when do a show go, from there. Dude, you should see the fish are as big as me. <laughs> ah. I'm not kidding. We could do we could do an ad from there because the fish are literally as big as me. They get up to like six feet and 200 pounds. Can I swim with them? Yes. <laughs> You most certainly can. <laughs> you may swim with the fishes, nice. my friend. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, it's American Cobalt Aqua Farms. Thank you for being our sponsor. We love you. We love your fish. And you can call them. You can call them. A restaurant can call them. Anyone who wants fish can call them at 973-601-8441. It's 973-601-8441. And you're kind of getting ahead of the curve with it, right? I mean, you'd be like the first people to get this fish. I mean, no, just, yeah. yeah. If you're a restaurant, this is the deal. No doubt. I'm not kidding. Because it was, it's amazing. And they have aquaculturists on call 24 hours a day to answer your questions. That sounds legit. It is. It's AmericanCobaltAquafarms.com or call them again at 973-601-8441. We love your arapaima. arapaima. We love fish. In the meantime, we want to welcome a dear friend of mine to the One Tough Mother Show. I'm telling you, this woman rocks every way possible. We've been friends for a while online and the things she does is just amazing. Um, I truly admire her and everything that she does. In her career, Shanti Patty Owen was a very famous supermodel whose stunning, edgy looks, and when I say just gorgeous stuff that she does, were on the cover of so many publications such as Marie Claire, Elle, Cosmo, just to name a few. Shanti was also known as the face of Chanel, worked as an actress on some television shows, and has had just an incredible career for most of her life. But... It has not been all glitz and glam, my friend. Has not been. Recently, Shanti decided to chronicle and share her memoirs in a book titled The Memoirs of a Legal Contessin, right? Courtesan. Courtesan. I knew I'd get that wrong, and I practiced it a hundred times. <laughs> in which Shanti openly talks about her life with her surprising little secret, her addiction to sex. Here to open and honestly speak about her life lessons, we welcome to the One Tough Mother Show my friend, Shanti Patty. Owen, yay! I'm so happy to meet you in person, finally. Oh, and you were like one of the very first women to wear one of my One Tough Mother shirts. I remember when you sent it, I was like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Because I feel like One Tough Mother. Believe me. I am a mother. I, she's 24 years old, and I can be pretty tough. I'm very compassionate, but when I feel that, you know, the buck stops, it stops. Babe, we're Irish. We get that. that. Is that what that is? <laughs> oh my God. We get that. I mean, it takes a while to get us mad, but when we're mad, mad oh God. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out. Things are going down. So tell me, tell me what's going on. Tell me how you've been doing. Well, I'm tired, but for a great reason. I mean, the book launched a couple of weeks ago, and I have barely slept. A lot of interest in the book, a lot of. Uh, from people all over the country. You know, it started with my friends and family and acquaintances, and it's just spread to people I don't know, sending me private Facebook messages and emails, and wow, your book has totally transformed my life. I knew something was strange with me, but I didn't know what it was. I think I might have some of what you have. And, pe and women just confiding in me, and men, which I didn't expect. I thought I wrote this women to, this book to help women who have sex addiction, sex and love addiction. And I'm finding that men are sort of creeping out saying, hey, I know I have this addiction, but I really never talked to a woman who's admitted she has it. And they feel that they finally have a safe sounding board. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. And you know what the thing is? I have to give it to you, dude. I mean, you, the guts. 
guts to come out and talk about this. Guts to come out and let your family know. Everybody that you know knows. Your daughter is in, is she in college? She graduated, yeah. She's 24. So, oh, um, yeah, she knows. Yeah, I mean, it took huge, huge guts. Take us back. Tell, tell, take us to how this started. The addiction? Yeah. Well, you know, addictions don't start right. sort of midlife. Um, the seeds were planted. I had an angry Irish mother talking about Irish, right? right. So she, she was very abusive physically and emotionally. And what she abused me most for was playing doctor. Now, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it I was just interested in playing doctor? And then the abuse sort of cemented that. It was like, why is she so upset about this? I want to know more about this. Or All children play doctor. All yeah, children yeah. want to know what yeah. the heck is under your pants, under right. your skirt. You know, this is normal, healthy development. But I was beaten to a pulp for it. So that w- was the seed of the addiction, but I went in and out of exploring sex, staying away from it for decades, not, excuse me, decades, but maybe a decade or two here or there. I, I mean, it's part of the addiction. We flip-flop. So when I act out sexually too much, I feel a lot of remorse and guilt, and then psh, that's it, done with sex. Wow, Shandy, that is in- incredible. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. That is really Very, crazy. very common. It's called sexual anorexia. Wow. So you, but you started as a model, right? Um, well, not right out of the womb, but I did. Right. <laughs> I didn't think so. Well, you probably were pretty enough to do that. But <laughs> Yes, I started modeling when I was 20, uh, moved to New York, and within the first two weeks, I was raped by a fashion photographer Yeah. and told not oh a soul. God. And then I moved to Paris a few months afterwards because my agent, Elite, uh, elite models, John Casablancas in New York, said, you know, it's a lot easier to get started in Europe. Well, I didn't get raped in Europe, but I escaped two rapes, and I escaped sex trafficking in Morocco during a fashion shoot. Oh. So there was a lot of sexual abuse right from the jump with my modeling career that I told, maybe I told my modeling agent about one one of them, but not the other. And uh, so any kind of secret that we keep inside has to fester and come out some way or another. And the way it came out for me was sexual addiction, love, quote, we call it love addiction, like in quotes, because it's not real love, it's neediness. But I was terrified to be alone. Right. After the rapes and the attempted rapes and escaping sex trafficking, even though I had quote unquote monogamous boyfriends, when I was on a trip modeling, I was like, oh, who can I sleep with? I don't want to sleep alone, I'm afraid. That is such, that is incredible to say that. Seth, did you ever think about that? Like, really? She's afraid to be alone, and it translates into something like that. It's probably more common than we think. And it's, people don't, it's great that you're doing this so, so people don't feel like it's only them or there's something right. wrong with them. And it's very common for women. Now, this is, the first of all, let me, let me go back to why I even started writing this book. When I discovered in... 2011 that I had this addiction of course I went to the internet what is this how does this start how can I fix this what can I do to heal from this and most of the books were written geared towards men because it's considered a male addiction right but I'm saying well wait a second I had a lot of sex with heterosexual men and they were having sex with a lot of heterosexual women and women don't give it up easily right so the likelihood is that these sex-addicted men were having likely sex with sex-addicted women. But women don't want to come out about it because 
as you probably know, we're supposed to stay virgins before we get married. And then, yeah. you know, if our husband dies, we're supposed to wear black the rest of our lives and never remarry. I mean, it's, it's cultural. So women don't want to come out about this addiction. It is extremely shameful. That's amazing. You, you're very brave. So I have to ask, what classifies it as an addiction? You've got to tell me the steps that or the, the, the things that really pointed it. Wow, it's an addiction. Uh, okay. So, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to take away the punch from the book, but I mean, it's on the back of the cover, so I might as well say I ended up as a prostitute. Oh my gosh. At age 52, mind you. Good for you, girl. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry everybody. I had to, I, that has to come out. <laughs> that has right? to come out. I know. You know, 50 shades of gray. Okay, she was a virgin in college. Wow, big deal. I'm sorry. I don't want to put the book down, but Women our age, you know, we're in our 40s, 50s, and 60s, you know, we want to know that there's some craziness that we can, if, if not follow, at least read about. Right. And then find out why you don't actually want to do that. Right. Um, so, yes, I became a prostitute at age 52. And, well, now, when you say legal, tell, explain that to me. How is that? Oh, so Memoirs of a Legal Courtesan, the name came many, many years ago when I got a job as a legal secretary. So at the time, I wasn't getting paid for sex. I was acting as a courtesan, which, you know, during the Renaissance period, women either married, became a nun, or they were a courtesan. And courtesans were the only women, actually, that were allowed to read. They gave counsel to politicians and wealthy landowners. The, I mean, the courtesans rocked. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I thought that was great. I said, yes, I'm a legal courtesan. Of course, later on, I became an illegal courtesan during my phase of prostitution, tantra massage, that kind of thing. Now, Shanti, were you married? I was married. All during my sexual acting out, yes. Okay. And how did he handle that? Um, well, he was fine about it. He wanted to do more sexual adventures. So okay. th- part of my love addiction was wanting to <clears throat> please him and appease him. I think a lot of women can relate to this. Oh, absolutely. Where men say, hey, we need to open up our marriage a little and maybe explore some sex parties or some swapping, you know, swinger stuff. and. The wife not, might not be interested, but she doesn't want to lose her man. So a lot of that was going on with my marriage, um, I, my second marriage, I must say. Uh, my first marriage was to my daughter's father in the 90s. Um, and uh, so I don't want to talk about him. He doesn't feel right. he has this addiction, but he did act out sexually quite, uh, quite extensively. And, and I did it with him. What are the steps? Tell us. Like, say, okay, say some young woman or some woman my age or some woman Seth's age, anybody, male, women, or male, female, doesn't matter. What are the steps to, to, to pinpointing this and finding a healing space, something to help you get through it? So you can go online. I'm not allowed to give you the name of the 12-step programs that I belong to because we, we're asked not to bring that into into press because they don't want to have the liability. But if you go online and you Google sex addiction, love addiction, and if you're not given a porn site, that happens often. Right, if you go right. under sex addiction, they'll send you porn sites. But if you go on to um, healing 
sex addiction, healing, love addiction, you'll find some 12-step programs. There are several, actually. And is it is there? There's a lot of abuse in this, right? Is it, is there a lot of male, female abuse? People abusing each other and and using them because they know they're addicted. Is there that kind of a, almost like a sex slavery type thing? I wonder about that. I don't know. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people aren't aware that sex addiction is even a thing. Right. I was like, I, I mean, so I, I don't know if they consciously say, well, this person's a sex addict, so we're going to manipulate them. They might say this person uh, is easy to manipulate. Right. Um, so let's do that. Right. I don't, I, I don't know if they consciously say, hey, this one's a sex addict. Let's well, you know what happened with me is I, I'm led by the thought of it's male. So, you know, kudos to you for coming out and, and saying it's female as well. Because historically or, or just media-wise, that's what we hear all the time. Especially now with the Me Too and the sexual harassment and everything is every other day. It's like every day I turn on the news. Well, look, most people who have sex addiction have had some kind of abuse. I mean, it could, it doesn't have to be sexual abuse, but I would say by and large, the majority of people who act out sexually have been sexually abused. And that includes men. Right. So men who who are sex addicts, often they have been abused as children. Either they've been abused by, by aunts, their mother, their teachers, their father's best friend, men. Right. And they are, what we, what we are tr- attempting to do subconsciously doesn't work, but we are attempting to heal that sexual wound by having more sex. And we think, well, <coughs> excuse me, if... Maybe through this next sexual encounter, I will find wholeness. I'll find love. And maybe this one will do it. Whereas an alcoholic might say, you know, maybe this bottle of scotch, if I just say this is the last one, this might do it for me. Right, right. It's like it's a fix. It's a fix. Absolutely. Mm. It's no different than drug or alcohol addiction. It's just a behavior. Right, right. And do do you feel? Do you always feel like you're looking for love? Is was that part of it? You're looking for that that love that you missed, maybe with your mom. I'm oh, absolutely! Sure. My mother was so tough. Now she was one tough mother, right. but not in the fun way. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you have brothers and sisters. I have an older brother and a younger sister. And my mother was not affectionate. She was not tactile. So. I was always, you know, craving to be held and to be loved. I mean, of course, she loved me in her way. And I got some wonderful characteristics from my mother. I mean, the reason that I am even able to come out and be so strong and suffer the slings and arrows is because my mother was tough. Right. So, but the, but the, the tender part, that sweet, caring, loving part, I didn't get from her. Right. And I was constantly searching. So the first time I had sex in high school, I thought, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened. Now, not because I had an orgasm, because I didn't have an orgasm for a couple years later, but the kissing, the tenderness. And so I got sex and affection completely commingled, because I really hadn't had it before. Right. So to me, to get affection, I had to have sex. Human contact. Human contact, right. I totally understand that. Totally get that that need for human contact. I think, I think it's a very common story for a lot of people. I think it's, it's something that it's brave of you to come out and talk about. I think a lot of people 
grow up that way. You know, these tough parents who are, you know, they came from immigrants and they were their parents were even tougher than they were. Yes. It's like you, you're hoping as generations go on, we break the cycle. Yes. That it's And you know what? I think about that, too. I think where where does the cycle break? Like when I mean, you're very loving with your with your father as well, though, right? You're very yes. close to your dad. Yes, I'm very close to my dad. Yeah, and he's he almost around? 88. Thank God for my father. He was affectionate, but he was working two or three jobs. You know, he'd come home at That's nine it, o'clock yeah. at night and he'd walk through the door and he would never complain about being tired or sore. He'd open his arms and say, hey, how you doing? Right. So, you know, thank God that I got some affection. Right. And, and his family was very affectionate, my grandmother, my aunts and uncles. So, I, you know, I did, I did have some affection. But, of course, when you're a child, you want affection from your primary caregiver. Right. And you think, something's got to be wrong with me if my primary caregiver doesn't seem to like me. Right. You he, know, it's so so true. I think, um, and, and I'm pleased, and Seth knows I'm, I'm a big, ab- I'm very, very close to my father who's passed away, but I'm a big advocate of both parenting. But um, I think there's such a different take when your mother is the one who's not affectionate. It's such a It's di- rejection. Yeah. It's a, di- but, you know, you, you think of your mother is, you always want your mother's affection for some reason. So well, also, I mean, it, I know it's stereotypical, but usually, by and large, it's the mother who spends the majority of the day with the children. Absolutely. And it changes. There are, you know, house fathers, but in general, it's usually the mother. Right. So we want, you know, that's the person that's giving us the most time and attention. Right. And so we want to know that that person loves us. And if we have doubts, it really can, you know, spiral into lots of emotional problems, addictions. So true, so true. So tell me what's next for you. Like this, you're going to go on a, are you going to go on a book tour with this? I don't know. Uh, I was originally planning on doing a book tour, but I also do need to pay my bills. Yeah. <laughs> don't we all? Hello, <laughs> Seth. <laughs> Somebody else that needs to pay bills. <laughs> I know. And I work in the addiction recovery field. I work as a recovery coach and a sober companion. So I live with my clients 24-7. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So That's intense. Well, you know know how everything happens perfectly, even though while it's happening, which we think is imperfectly, it's painful. Right. A couple of years ago when I was close to being finished with the books, I tried to go back to legal and get a job as a legal secretary, and I couldn't. And one of the headhunters pulled me aside and said, have you Googled yourself lately? And I said, ah, no, just give yourself a little Google. And I did. And I said, oh, is it because I used to model and the modeling pictures are popping up? And he said, no, 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 just scroll down a little bit more. And I wrote several articles in the Feminine Collective on my sex addiction. And they said, we cannot get you a job with that. Can you get that off the Internet, please? And I said, I don't want to. I wrote it to help people, especially women. And he said, yeah, I, you're going to have trouble getting any, anything in corporate. And boy, was he right. And so a friend had suggested, because I have an addiction, you have to have an addiction pretty much to work in the addiction recovery field because you have to know this animal. So I trained and started working in the addiction recovery field. It's extremely fulfilling and it's incredibly intense. So it's a 24-7 um, assignment you work every day sometimes for a month sometimes even six weeks straight with not a break so I take breaks so I'll work for maybe 
a month or two and then take a month off just to rest and recoup because we're dealing with addicts who are coming out of detox and rehab and these feelings that they haven't felt for decades. There's a lot of grief, rage, and, you know, it's all getting thrown at me. Right. So we have to do a lot of self-care in order to be able to be solid in this field. So Wow, Shandy, that is just amazing uh, all the way around because that's you're an amazing person to be doing that so what do they do they call you and then you go stay with them yes I work with a couple of different agents and they'll ask me we have a client in this state or in this city this is what's going on with her usually it's a female I have had a couple of gay gay male clients because they want to make sure that there's no cross boundaries sexually Um, and does this seem like a client that that you'd have a good fit with. They usually, it's not always like I'm not a heroin addict, but I've had several heroin addicts. They really try to match your personality. Okay. Um, Yeah. Addiction is addiction, right? I mean, depends on what you're addicted to. It's it's easy for people to judge these kind of things, like, you know, a sex addiction or things that are not physical, uh, like a pill or a drink. They could say, no, it's not. You just just like to have sex. Like, no, it's, and it's... Right. And it's hey, not until you, unless, unless you're in it like you are, you understand it fully. Well, it's really completely. up to the person themselves to decide if it's an addiction. I mean, they say it all the time, you know, about alcoholism. I mean, there are two two people could both drink a bottle of wine a night. One person thinks it's a problem. The other one doesn't think it's a problem. See, that's what that's what I wanted to know before. Like, what would it's, signifies it's, it as an addiction? What, what is the classification of addiction? I mean, I guess you're right. It depends Impulse, on the price of a bottle of wine. Right? If you can't control your impulses, that's an addiction to me. Right. Okay. Does that sound right? If Jonathan? your life is unmanageable. Bingo. Bingo. If your life has become unmanageable due to a substance or a behavior, it's very likely it's an addiction. That's what they have the term functional alcoholic. You know, people who Oh, can, absolutely. They, My whole career. I mean, they, you know, for 25 years I worked in that kind of an industry where they were addicted to something or one thing or another. But they can they can get by. Functioning alcoholic yeah. is, is like a lot of people. Oh, sure. I was a functioning sex addict for decades. There you go. Right. I was functioning. And did nobody knew, right? Nobody knew. I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? No. So uh, can I ask you about when you're when sure. you're with your clients? Clients, is that right? No. Yes. Not not, not when you were n- not when you were working. I mean that now that you're a counselor. Yes. They're they, still called clients? Yeah, our clients. Um so I guess they kind of communicate with you when they're having urges and you're there and you and they you talk it out. Is that kind of Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I re- I'm I'm really their sober buddy. Sober companion. That's that's really the general term. And so you're, you're like a part, you're part therapist, you know, you're part you're, therapist, yeah. part parent, part, you know, friend, friend, <laughs> part, uh, you know, 12 step sponsor, but wow. it's different. It's really like during those. And I, I would say probably the most significant talks come late at night. Yeah. You know, we're just sort of maybe just finish watching a movie or a TV show and. And they'll share with me their concerns and say, you know, I know that I'm telling my therapist this and this, but I'm really really having a lot of problems with x y and z and i'll say wow wow thank you for sharing that and 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 then we talk it out and then of course i work uh i work with a management you know with a whole team of people it's not just me and i'm sure sometimes people when they go to the therapist they feel good that day like things are going well i got it i'm good and then maybe the next day or two days later they're not feeling so good again right right? it's it's very fluid right this these kind of feelings yeah so over time 
it really, you know, we get to know each other very well. I mean, I think I learn as much from them as probably they do from me. Yeah, I think that's that's the best when you can learn from each other. I mean, everybody has unique life lessons to teach. And I think that this is really amazing to me because I think in, in my mind, and I've spent, you know, I've lived all over the world. I think that uh, everyone is addicted to something of, of some kind. Like I'm a work fanatic. You know me, Seth. I'm, I sleep four hours. I work you know the rest 20 uh, hours the second half of the show is an intervention yeah. for you uh, yeah. yeah it's like i'm a <laughs> yeah definitely but i'm a work i'm a workaholic and i always have been i value myself by the quality of work and how much work i can put out and that's i think a lot of it has to be with how you value yourself different addictions like if you're covering something up or tell me, am I wrong? You're the you're the expert. Well, I can't say I'm an expert. I'm a sexpert for okay, sure. Sexpert. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I want to be a sexpert. No. What's interesting <laughs> is, um, you know, just thinking about it, therapist you, listens to you, right? What you do is someone can relate. You, you're someone that can relate to what they're going through, which is a big difference. You know, you can go to a, a therapist and tell them all of your sex addiction issues and they might not be able to they'll understand and listen, but they can't relate to it. And also the textbook. therapist, yeah, the therapist doesn't share their personal life right. with you. Like I, right. I, I mean, I've been to therapists for years and I know very little about them because that's not, that's, that's not a, part of the job description. Right. They're not supposed to really share much of their life, but what we do is we do share our life because a lot of times people are afraid to share what's going on with them and when they hear the troubles that we've been through and the unmanageability of our lives, they open up and, and feel that this this is a safe person I can open up to because they get it. Uh, and you know what? She lived a life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, you were a supermodel. Yeah. So you were like, you were out there all the time. So you have a lot of relatable stories, I'm sure, that you can speak to them about. Yes. And, and you're, you're open to talking to them about it all? It doesn't, it's... Yeah, all of it. Excellent. Well, wow. she wrote a book. I mean, I did write a book. <laughs> right. I know, but I mean... Actually, I wrote... I wrote uh, three books so this is the first book the second book actually goes back into my modeling and acting days and and the abuse I mean I do touch on the abuse in this book but this book is basically a, about the about when my sex and love addiction skyrocketed which was right after 9-11 it's also very common now that I've been in the addiction recovery field that I found out how many people's addictions spiked after 9-11, mm. especially those that lived in and around the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. The anxiety, the area, fear. And all of that. And so this book is basically, book one is Memoirs of a Legal Courtesan, is about how, I, how my sex and love addiction skyrocketed. Book two is um, Makings of a Legal Courtesan, which talks about the abuse and all of those things that really mounted and added up to me finally acting out to this extent. I had been acting out all along while I was modeling. You know, I had boyfriends, but I cheated on all of them. Oh. But it just seemed like, oh, you know. It's a life, right? It's a life. Yeah. You know, girl, don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, you're like a supermodel after all, right? But I knew something wasn't right. I couldn't stop. But then it escalated after 9-11. Did you ever have an, uh, I have to ask, did you ever have a relationship that you were so committed to, you wanted it to be just the two of you and, and, and to have the white picket fence with the house and the flowers? I did. You did? I did. I did, but uh, I was bored. Yeah. I have to say, that's part of the addiction is we're excitement junkies. Oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah. That's part of it. Now, um, you said you were, you were raped. 
when you came to yes. New York, right? Yes. And then there was attempts, uh, rape attempts after that. Two other attempts. I now, barely escaped. After that, like as the sex addiction grew, is it something like you just started giving in to to, to did it happen again where guys kind of came on to you? You're like, I'm just going to go with it instead of fighting it. Did it ever oh, happen yeah. like that? I mean, women and I in our 12 step program often share how many times we had sex we didn't even want to have it. We're just like, okay, whatever. Hurry We've up, done this get many it over times. With. Like, yeah. let's just okay, you want it, you want me, okay, it's okay, fine. Right. Right, where right. I'm sure people who drink too much, they don't want another drink. They've had enough, but their friends come and buy, come on, I'll buy you another drink. It's like, oh, okay, exactly. have another one. Exactly, yeah. Wow, this is it's just really interesting. And again, the name of the book again is Memoirs of a Legal Courtesan, and the subtitle is A Sex Love Addict's Journey to Sobriety. It's, a, it's an amazing book, and I thank you so much. I can't wait to read it. And I, I have to say to our listeners, um, if you feel like there's something here that really resonates with you, you know, reach out to us and we'll, we'll see if we can get you, you know, your messages over to Shanti because I, I just can't even imagine feeling that, that weight on your shoulders because it is, it's a lot of guilt, isn't it? A lot of guilt and, you know. Especially for women. And, and something else that I didn't mention, another reason it's difficult for women to come out about this addiction is because when men, for instance, get sober from sex addiction, get their life back you know they get their morality back they get their heart back sometimes they get their wives back they get their money back because they're not paying for prostitutes and strippers and tantricas but when women get sober so yes we get all those wonderful wonderful attributes back with you know we get our heart back and our brains back but a lot of women like me made a lot of money in prostitution in stripping and some of these women have been doing it for decades. Wow. And they are 40 years old, and that's all they've known, and they live off the grid, and they've never paid a tax in their life. Wow. They don't even know where to begin. So it's scary. For you, it's like coming out, getting out of jail. Yes. Right? It's, it's like you have to start from the bottom. From the bottom. Wow. And, and besides the fact that I'm sure there's people around you that are like, uh, they put you to the side because they know that now that you're out there. and. It's crazy. It's a stigma that yeah, sticks with you. Yeah, it's a huge stigma. It's a big stigma yeah. for women, especially. It's a huge stigma. Yeah, I can see that absolutely, and I understand that. So, what are you? What are you going to do next? Tell me about what your next steps are. So, next step is editing book two. It's done. Wow. Ex- editing book two, and then I have. I know I said I wouldn't mention this, but I do. Ha- I am having talks with some people in Hollywood about creating a movie, maybe a TV series about this, because it is. Uh, it is. Uh, it's definitely time. It's wow. definitely time to come out of it. I mean, it's, it. f- it's a fascinating story. I'm sure it would, you know, if it's made the right way, it'd be a great movie. Yeah, well, it was... It was it, and it's it, real. It, it feels like a movie to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, a mo- when I say it feels like a movie to me, it's almost as if it was another person in, right. a, in another life. Outside yourself, you're looking back. Yeah, Because now that, that I'm sober, I'm like, what was I thinking? Even my daughter, when she read the intro years ago, because I had to present it to her, I wanted to let her know what I was doing. She said, Mom what were you thinking? And I said, I wasn't thinking. Right. I wasn't thinking. Were you searching, do you think? Searching for something? I was in pain. I was in enormous pain. And this is the way I numbed my pain, through sex. I had about 30 lovers at any given time for years. Wow. 30. 30. And if I got down to 20, I panicked. Wow. Whoa. 
That's insane. That's how that's how intense it was. That's how intense. Like it you was. were really just. It, it was a very it's steps, right? It was like almost steps that you went through. Just to, oh my gosh, right. that's insane. And then when having tons of lover wasn't wasn't enough, I got into group sex, and then finally it was prostitution. I mean, this is how addiction progresses. Right. And you weren't even thinking about disease or anything at that point. You didn't. No. I mean, I well, that's the honest of her. I love that she's just like, no. I mean, I'm well, sure it, came, it entered her head at listen, some point. Listen, if you asked an alcoholic, are they worried about right. destroying their liver? They're like, nah. nah I, I can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, but y- and yours was on the high end, right? You had pretty high end people because of the industry you were in. Yes. So, wow. That's, that's insane. Well, I, I just can't thank you enough for being on the show. I love having you I'm here. It's so good to see you in person. <laughs> you too. Right. You're, you're uh, cuter well, in person than your books. You're so cute and beautiful anyway. One more question since you brought a movie. Who would you cast as I was going to ask you? her that. Her. It has to be her. I can't say because she's reading the book right now. Oh, wow. Oh. Turn off the mics. I want to get on and <laughs> just tell us, no one will tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, no. Just tell us. I can't. I've signed an NDA agreement. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is That's so awesome. fun. I hope, I, hope, uh, I hope that works out. I, I just totally wish you the best in everything. Thank and you. I'm here to support you in any way you can. Thank you so when much. When your next book comes out, come over and have fun with us. Absolutely. We'll play and we'll just have some fun times here. I'm just excited about this. And where can they find you online? So you can find me at my website, which is spowen.com. S for Shanti, P for Patty, Owen, spowen.com. That's my page. You can send me an email and any of your questions. I welcome. Excellent. And how about social media? Social media, I'm also on spowen. SP. 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 That's that's me, yo. SPO. Yes, PO. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to look for you. Thank you, Patty. Thank you so much. I'm just so excited that you were here. And it it was wonderful to have you. It's great. And Seth, uh, we just can't even tell you how excited we are that you're here. I wanted to tell people in case, because it's also, it's a Kindle version. Yeah, yeah, show Wait, so here's the cover, which you would also see if you had the Kindle version. Can you? Here, I'll take it up for you. If you... There you go. So you'll see that if you get the Kindle version as well. But what you won't see with the Kindle version, when you open the whole book, you get that. Hello. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And that's me. Oh, at the height of my prostitution career. That's a wow. It's a great shot. (laughs) 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 I wouldn't have done that twenty years ago. But anyway, well, thank you so much, honey. And you're going to stay right for the for a little bit more. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, she's going to stay kicking. And in a few minutes, we're going to come back with headlines and headaches. But until that time, we want to thank American Cobalt Aqua Farms for being our sponsor, and we'll be right back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back and we've got Brother Seth, who, by the way, just so you know, I has a $20 shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> I had to bring it up because I was afraid Seth wouldn't. Uh, I got him his shirt. So everybody that's listened for the last 30 shows, he's done whining. He's got the damn shirt and he's wearing it. And you better look online to see what it looks like. Oh, yeah. It's intense. It's intense. And I went for the upper level cotton. I mean, I went the whole nine yards. I went the whole 20 bucks. It really feels great on my skin. Yeah, yeah, shut up. (laughs) So we're here with headaches and headlines. And Seth, that's you. Okay. uh, Obviously not a joking manner at all. Um, We want to open our headlines and headaches by sending our deepest and most heartfelt sympathy to everyone in Parkland, Florida. Um. 
wow it's just we we how many times have we done this story and it just it keeps I have nothing worse. yeah i have nothing else to say about it because it's been so horrific and again you all know that my everybody that knows me knows my whole family is in education or police officers so it, to me this i actually like sent my sons and my daughter-in-laws like this text message talking about the walkout and i the pressure's incredible on their heads right now about, you know, one's a superintendent of schools in Philly or outside of Philly and one's a principal of a high school. So it's just like, where do you go now? What do you do? What do you do? It's terrifying and I hate every single piece of it. But go ahead, Seth. It's We're sorry. We're terribly sorry. We wish we didn't have to bring this up every other show, it feels like. Well, yeah. the, the teenagers are going to take us to Nirvana. Yeah, because they're done being killed out of they're the mouths the, of babes. They dude. are the victims. Yep. The teenagers, the, I mean, children are too small to really voice this, but the teenagers, they're done. And I am so proud of them for taking a stand. And we are now they're printing out uh, all of the uh, all of the members in the Senate, in in the House, in the Congress who have been given payouts by the nra and all those lists are available and when we go to vote we know who not to vote for exactly it's ridiculous i mean it, not only in nra but just lobbyists in general it's just basically another word for bribery to me it, yeah you know uh, alec baldwin once said uh you know the politicians should wear co uh, jackets like race car drivers have all their sponsors exactly labels it's on, legal on their, bribery right and it's exactly what it is enough is enough already so you know there's a a walkout being organized on april 20th which is the 19th anniversary of columbine which killed 13 uh, children. And um, teachers are expected to join in, so I think that's a great thing. And the, what the kids are saying, which makes the most sense, is we're children. You're adults. Figure it out. Exactly. Like, Fix uh, this. Enough. But, but they're, right. not, they're not waiting anymore. They're they can't. The, they're taking the lead, and I'm so proud of them. That's right. all even they did a three-minute, uh, what do they call it, uh, a dead out or something, they had a name for it, where they just Yeah, where they were just laying down on the ground. In the White House like for three minutes, yeah, just to, to prove a point. There have been 18 school shootings in America this year alone. That that 18 school shootings, by the way, um, it also it counts like a firearm going off. It's not just it's not 18 mass shootings. Right, because I, when I read this, I right. looked it up. I was like, what? Yeah. What did I miss? It's a little but misleading, no. but right. it's still one is too many, so right. it doesn't but, matter. But why should a gun go off in school anyway? Right. And we're not yes. even we're not even at the end of February yet. That's amazing. Right. 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 I, I think one's too many. I mean, it, you know, it's just. It's it's a big problem, and it's not it's not as black and white as people think. Is my opinion, uh, it's not as black and white as people think. It's not just an easy fix, you know. Right. To, to, you know, these schools there could be training, there could be stiffer laws. Should there be a um, what do you call it? A walk through, uh, the the beeper. What do you call it? I just lost the word. Um, when you go through uh, to you know security, yeah, uh, the well, electronic yeah, the, security. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, they. One of my son's schools just built this vestibule, which is like a security entrance thing. And when I saw it, I said to him because I went to some, I went to the school to pick up something from him, and I hadn't seen it before. And I was like, "That is horrible looking. What is that? And why is it there?" And he's like, "Ma, you know, it's what we got to do now." He's like, "This is it." But you know, it's insane. So we're going to have security checks on every. Elementary nursery they're, school, elementary school, junior high, high school. They're not going to spend the money. Every mall you go into, why don't we just ban the guns? At least the assault weapons. Okay, some people say the AR-15 is not an assault weapon. Actually, it is. Whatever. It is. You know, I, I talked I mean, to I talked to a professional who I work yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. I said, "What's an AR-15? It's, it's an assault rifle." Yeah, I said, thank what, you. "What's it used for?" He said, "Killing people." <laughs> there, All right. There's. I said, right. "So why do we need that?" We don't. We don't. Yeah. And if, if people really have to get their jollies doing this, there's gun ranges. There's places you can go and, and do that. 
you know, I, I said at the very the very most there should be a rifle for hunting and a handgun for protection. At the you know, if there has to be guns. Because we're not going they're not just gonna go. You know, as much as we'd like them to be no guns, that's not gonna happen a overnight. A thirteen year old can buy a gun. They won't. They can't buy. Uh, they can't buy a lot. A thirteen-year-old can buy a gun. A thirteen-year-old yes. can buy a gun, but they can't buy a lot. What lo- state is that? Uh, they in? can't buy a lot of ticket. They can't buy alcohol. A lotto ticket. It's ridiculous. Cigarettes, but they can buy an AR-15. And don't you have to be twenty-five to rent a car? I mean, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous. It is. It's insane. But they can have a gun, and their brains are fully formed at thirteen. Right. No, and, so. and we don't want to get into the whole. Uh, you know, in this case in particular, the the local police and the FBI had had. A lot of evidence against yeah. this kid, uh, you know, and they really dropped the ball in this yeah. particular one. But, you know, uh, there's a petition on change.org. It states the aims of the protest. It reads, we are the students. We are the victims. We are the change. Fight gun val- violence now. High school students across the USA, the way to fight back is here. There's been too much complacency on the part of politicians when it comes to gun violence. The time is attacked is now. Public school shootings affect communities, and especially teenagers. And, uh, and they're right. And these they, kids were amazing uh, online. These and all these towns think it's never going to happen to us. You know, it's never going to happen to our school. You know, because the odds are it's not, but it's, it, but then it does, you know, and then kid, people, parents lose their children, grandparents lose their grandchildren. It's, it, you know, as a parent myself watching that, it's heart wrenching and, and, you know, terrifying. And one of the ones that re- what really hits me is it still brings back this open wound of Sandy Hook to me. These are babies. Oh, that, they were that, babies. That's one of the, I mean, not to say one's worse than the other. No, no, but no, that but was, uh, right. babies in my head, I'm thinking. Five-year-olds, less than five, right? I mean, yeah. Sad. It's very sad, and we're, we're super, super sorry, and, and please. Um, Something has to be done, yeah. clearly. I mean. Yeah, we're behind these kids, and we'll help in any way we can. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Uh, people can't just say thoughts and prayers anymore. It's not no, enough. No, absolutely enough. not. Mm-mm. Thoughts oh, and prayers. Oh, don't are, you love the politicians that say... My thoughts and prayers go with the victims and their family, and they've been getting millions from the NRA, so it's just exactly. all BS. Yeah. And God forbid it happens to one of their kids. Right. You know? And, and then the, the, the oh, but their kids go to private school. Uh, well, true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The private school, they're safer. I, I, you know, I guess I don't, know if, I don't know if things have happened to private schools. I don't know. But you, just know, you don't know where it can happen, right? That's the point. And it's like, it's like every day you're walking. You know, I don't want to have to worry about my kids when they go to school. You know, it... it it circles back to a lot of people saying, you know, when my kids were going to school, we lived in, in Germany. It was during the time of the Ayatollah Khomeini. So they got on mi- military buses with, with armed guards, and we had to be searched going on and off posts because there was a lot of stuff going on at that time. But um, it comes back to what what the kids see and what they emulate and how they feel. They were in kindergarten. And, you know, you've got these kids are just fearful to go to school. I can't even imagine being a little kid now. And you, you can't, you can't, protect them from hearing this it's everywhere it's non-stop it's a verb you know the 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 verbiage about it is everywhere it's it, it, so these kids are hearing it you know whether they're in kindergarten seventh grade fourth grade they're hanging out in the news they're hearing their parents talk about it so i just want to say this sit your kids down and talk to them about it talk to them about it ask them if they have fears about going to school you know get in your kids heads a little bit you would say that with your with your son. Your you have to, son. and not only that, you kind of have to tell them or you know what to do. Yeah, talk and, to me. And what to do is, you, you, if you're in a school and you're in a school and there's a shooting, you have to try to find a safe place and you stay there and you don't move until until police come to get you. And if you even see if it's quiet or anything right. else, you got to stay. Turn your phone off. You know, you could text whatever you have to do, but you have to try to stay out of sight. And don't move until someone finds you. Right. Or if Bobby's Bobby's brother or whoever the case may be, 
you know that they're talking about this or that you know that their guns in the house or you've heard them say something like oh yeah if you hear a kid yes tell your parents and they have and people did talk about this kid right this yeah. is what that's kills the, that's me the worst it. part about that's it that's the worst part about it how many it was, kids came forward and said there's something not right with this yeah. kid in this yeah and they head. knew the authorities knew and you know not no amount of money is, would be worth a, a child's life, but there's gonna be a lot of lawsuits because uh, because yeah. it's negligence. It's like it's like a malpractice suit against Gun the doctor. Gun control people. Look what they did in Australia. They haven't had any mass shootings since 1996, I believe, when they instituted gun control. Control. We, we right. just have such a mass population here, and our politics are so crazy. It's so hard to get this through. Well, this is what my son said, who's who's a police officer, and he said, "Ma, if you want to get a gun, you're getting a gun." Period. But you, you can make it a lot harder. Yeah. Okay. It's not Here's that simple. Right now. I'm talking about right now. Yes. Right now. Let's yes. make it a lot harder. Yes. Let's make it a lot, a lot, lot harder. harder. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Let's move on because this is uh, yeah. yeah. We, we can talk about this. Yeah. Yes. Um. Well, this is interesting because it kind of connects to what Shanti was talking about a little bit. Um. When to lose out on severance for um. Casino mogul Steve Wynn won't be collecting as much as $330 million in severance payments from the company he founded after his re resignation in the wake of sexual misconduct allegations, uh, the Wall Street Journal said. Wynn Resorts is considering changing, changing its name, and the company's board has hired a law firm to probe accusations against a former CEO. I mean, he shouldn't collect. You know, it's like if, if I do something wrong here and uh, you know, I get fired for cause, I'm not going to get any money. Right. You know, so you're like Harvey Weinstein, should right. he get a penny from any of the movies right. that he created? Unfortunately, like, he has enough. Yeah, he has enough. Yeah, He's Matt Lauer. Yeah. I mean, these guys buried money. First of right. all, let's let's not kid each other. Well, they're not they're not living on the streets now. But you know what they have to do? Those guys but, have to live with themselves. Yes. And I would not trade the, you know places with that for all the money in the world. No, me either. You know? And this guy too, it's it's the and you know in Shanti, I think you've been around this right the power. And the you know these guys are in this position of power. Yeah, you've been at the top. So you've oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't happen with me with Harvey Weinstein, but several other very powerful men in Hollywood, and they just feel entitled. Take and what they want. They take what they want, and you know, I. That's why I left uh, acting. I mean, I, I mean, I modeled for ten years, and I expected I was going to be acting for twenty. And after two years, I left. I couldn't stand the harassment anymore, and so I asked some people. I said, "This is just." It's rampant. How do people deal with this? How do these monsters get created? This one guy who's in the industry said, I'll tell you exactly how. Real nerdy kids. Women didn't want them when they were younger. They're older. They're in power. They got the money and they're like, yeah, babe. Uh, you, want this, you want this movie? Ugh. Come to my house. Yep. It's, yep. It's, it's all of that anger from not being wanted for so long. Now they're in power and they're dangling the carrot and they go, I got the power. Who has the power now, babe? You can almost think that yeah. almost sounds like an addiction power, right? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, 100%. All right, let's talk about uh, big food faces troubles. Big food brands like Kraft, Heinz, Nestle, Campbell, and Smucker, that's like they basically own grocery stores, right? Right. Those, those brands have been seen, have seen dwindling sales of American, as Americans switch to healthier, more nutritious foods. The Wall Street rep Journal reported that Kraft, which makes Jell-O and Oscar Mayer, saw f uh, falling sales globally with its chief vowing to meet changing consumer preferences more quickly in the coming year. Eh, you're a little late to, the sh <laughs> you're a little yeah. late to that one, buddy. Um, newspaper also noted that Nestle recently saw its slowest U.S. sales growth in decades. The journal wrote that struggling food companies may look to consolidation to shore up profits and continue to expand healthier food lines in order to draw healthy, conscious customers, health-conscious customers. Well, we see that. Everybody's consolidating. I just hope that, you know, 
you know, because in the, in, the, in the place where everything's bought and paid for or, or lobbyists and everything that organic still means organic and that these companies aren't taking shortcuts and maybe promoting something as organic or healthy when it's not, even though when you see natural, it's like natural is a BS word. It's not oh, real. Oh, actually natural sugars. Right. Natural flavors. Natural flavors, natural sugars. There's no, def- there's no definition of natural flavors. No. Right. And, and they don't have to define it. Right. They don't have to say what natural flavors are. Right. So there's a lot of little tricks, and I just hope that somebody holds these companies to task if they're going to do it that way, that they do it legitimately and not just take, you know, but nothing would surprise me at this point. Yeah, right. You know, um, okay, let's move on. Uh, Walmart. The descendants of Walmart founder Sam Walton saw their fortunes shriveled by $14 billion on Tuesday. Oh, that hurts my heart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not only we're still a zillion, yeah. <laughs> After the world's largest retailer reported slow, slowing online sales growth and a drop in profits over the holidays. Shales, shares of Walmart plunged by 9% after the retail uh, said its online sales grew 23% in the last quarter, which was about half the rate of its previous quarter. Wow. Imagine a, a world you live in where you, you have 23% sales uh, growth and that's not good. Yeah. That's bizarre. Right. While online sales still make up a fraction of the retail's overall revenue, Walmart has been investing heavily in its e-commerce capabilities. The numbers were likely enough to spook investors about retailers' traction in the fight against Amazon. Walmart also lodged a smaller uh, quarterly par- profit from a year ago, net income declining. This year, here's the big one. The net income declining 42% to $2.18 billion and missing analyst pro- expectations. I, ha- I have to say, honestly, Walmart, you missed the mark, dude. I mean, <laughs> Amazon, yeah, you kind of missed it. And I can't but they still, it. listen, they're still bringing a lot of money in this, and they're, they're, they have enough power where they can... If they are smart enough, they can rebound from this. It's not like they're going under. I'm going to give my um, Conan or the who is the guy that Johnny Carson that used to predict, you oh. know, the great Karnak. Yes. Oh, I'm going to yes. give my great Karnak oh, oh, uh, prediction here. Walmart, I mean, um, Amazon is tar- and Target are partnering. Yeah, that's the Amazon rumor. and Kohl's are partnering. Oh wow! Kohl's and Target are saving their butts. By partnering with Amazon, sure. so they're not shutting down. So Walmart's going to have a real run for their money because you order it on Amazon, you go to Kohl's, you go to Target and pick it up. Dude, it's the best of both worlds because Amazon's so smart. Why build brick and mortar? It's there. We'll just take what you have. We'll, we'll just make take part your of brick ours. And mortar. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Okay, I'm sorry you lost your 14 billion wah. with a B. Wah! But you guys are still like the third or what is it? Fifteenth richest person Fifth, in yeah, the world. Yeah, fifteenth richest. So I'm over you. A right net now. worth of 44.7 <laughs> billion. No, yeah, I have no sympathy. Wait, that's one brother. The other brother's right after him, number 16, and the sister's number 17. So the three the three siblings are 14 or 15, 16, and 17 in the world. Yeah, with 44. Why is the girl billion? last? Why is the sister third? Because huh? she didn't want to do it. I'm, I'm done with them. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm over them on. now. <laughs> uh, me too. Oh, boy. Is this really a story? Come on. Fergie apologizes for the nas- terrible national anthem during the All-Star game. And she had a bad day. No, I mean, no, no. I don't go on. with that one. Uh, uh-uh. No? Okay. Uh-uh. She tried something different. That's what I go with. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, on all accounts, you know, like, let's... Um, that's what, you know, I generalized it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to dive jump deep down. into this Jump chain. down, dude. All right. But well, yeah. for Fergie, Fer- come on. You know what she's, how she sings, right? You know what, what she's about? She's, like, unique. So, it was an arrangement, for gosh sakes. I mean... It's not like she just stood up and started belting it out. Everybody played. The band played. She's off-key, off-kilter, and, a pain, and painful to listen to. It, did you watch it? I saw some highlights. I didn't see it. 
All right. Time. So I saw it. And, well, my, my ears daughter, hurt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter said, Ma, you got to watch this and use this new show. So she told me. So I watched it and I thought, yeah, it's pretty bad. Seriously? <laughs> I mean, that's how it was. But, you know, I'm just like, but you, she sang it the way that Fergie would sing it. That's what my thought process is. Did you watch it, Shandy? Or? No. But, you know, I saw Mariah Carey on oh. New Year's Eve a couple of years ago, and she totally tanked. So what? We tank yes. once in a while. You know what? If you don't take a risk, you also don't, you also don't have the glory of succeeding. You've right. got to make mistakes. So what? She made a mistake in front of a gazillion people. Oh, well. Uh, Mariah's like, I don't know. Mariah's, I mean, come on. Mariah's a whole different story. But, but you know what? The, the um, What was the rapper's name? Where is that on this? Oh, Wiz Khalifa. He gave her props. He said she, she took a chance and did something different. He said that they didn't like Jimi Hendrix's uh, version of National right. Anthem. Right. And now it's considered a classic. Yeah. You know? I mean, come on. Hendrix got tons of gruff for that. And look, now it's like, oh, wow, Hendrix in the National Anthem. Yeah, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not going to happen for Fergie. I'm going to go with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on that limb with you, dude. That limb's going to break because both of us are standing like, everybody's totally nailing her. When I, I feel bad. Fergie, here's the deal. She'll you did be fine. it the way you wanted. I'm happy for you. I'm sorry you're taking gruff. And you don't have to apologize. That made me mad that she felt she had to apologize to people. That's the way you wanted to you do it? You know why? Because she's a woman. Exactly. Women always apologize. I'll tell you, sometimes I walk down the street, somebody literally is smashing into me. My first knee-jerk reaction Bam. is to say, oh, I'm sorry. Me too. I was like, well, well you're also sorry? polite. I, I, I say I'm sorry, if it's, you know. But women always apologize. One yeah. guy tried to kill me when I did that. Uh, I had a backpack on, and I squeezed between two people walking in the city to catch my train. Everybody's walking fast. And my backpack hit this guy. I keep walking, and my headphones on. He grabbed my backpack, spun me around. He was crazy, so I had to match his crazy so he wouldn't hit me. You know, and we just like screaming at each other, and then he finally walked away. You ran into me. He's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's that's the trick. Crazy, you match crazy. You have to match the crazy. If you show fear, like you're going to be squashed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll know to match you, crazy. If, yeah, if you have someone crazy in your face with the crazy eyes looking at you, screaming at you, you better match it. Because you don't know what he's capable of. Is that of. our takeaway from today? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> crazy match. match is crazy. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a new brand. Match your crazy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's got a nice ring to it. It does. Match your crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can I can open my eyes wide too and raise my voice. <laughs> I want to match you crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. Like that. That's what we put into the show today. Yeah. So that's it. But I'm bumped. <laughs> when we come back, we have Tough Mother Mail, and Seth's going to have males in. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back, and mail's in. But before we do, I have to thank our sponsor, American Cobalt Aquafarms. I'm getting really good at saying that. That's you are. It's a tongue it twister. It rolls off your tongue, though. American Cobalt Aquafarms. Come and get your fish here. See? Oh, that's there nice, Karen. <laughs> go Aaron, with that. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. American Cobalt Aquafarms is, is a great place, actually. I've been there. It, they have arapaima, which is a superfood. It's loaded with omega-3, omega-6 protein, and collagen. Um, again, you know the story. I took it to my girlfriend, who's the head executive chef down in Atlantic City. She absolutely loved it. And actually, I have to be honest. I'm a seafood eater. I'm not a fresh feeder, fish eater. In my family growing up, we had catfish, trout, blah, 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 blah. But I, I was never a big fresh fish eater, freshwater fish. But I'm a big seafood eater. I loved the way she made this. And she really literally just put it in a pan, seared it with butter, put some spices on it. It's thick it's flaky it's delicious it's very mild no fishy taste and um it's 
all the chefs that were there, she had a few of her chefs come over and try it. They absolutely loved it. And I want to bring out one of the things that really impressed me by being there is it's all natural, completely uncompromised, and never been exposed to antibiotics, vaccines, hormones, chemicals, heavy metals, or uncontrollable environmental factors because they control everything in the farms. So please go to AmericanCobaltAquafarms.com or you can call them at 973-601-8441. They have um, knowledgeable aquaculturists on staff 24 hours a day. If you have a question, again, it's American Cobalt aquafarms.com 973-601-8441 and you know what i think we, we sat there and gonna take a field trip there and do a commercial right from there i'll do a whole show Seth wants to sleep with the fishes. I'm in. <laughs> I said swim with the fishes. I don't want to sleep with them. Oh, I wanted you to sleep with them. <laughs> I wanted you to sleep with the fishes, dude. You mean like dead? You yes, don't mean like yeah, okay. they're done. No, yeah. you're so gross. Yeah. Okay, mail's in. And we got one tough mother brother mail. And you go, dude. Okay. Dear one tough mother, my husband and I have two sons, ages two and a half and four. I truly want to quit my job and homeschool our sons, and my husband, Kevin, is dead set against it. It's not a money issue. I mean, it'll be much tighter than it is now, but however, we are fortunate that Kevin has a great job. The issue is, Mother, I am terrified of all the violence in school shootings. This is timely. Uh, The horrific Sandy Hook shooting happened while I was pregnant with our first, and I can't move past it. I think about it all the time, and every shooting since has made the feeling of dread stronger. My husband feels homeschooling will make our boys fearful of the outside world. He says he's concerned with it, and they'll make them not able to cope with the world outside of our front door and will also leave a void in their personality where the relationships you build with other children in school would have been. I listen to your show, and I know uh, you both have children. What do you think? Signed, scared. Okay, well, my children are older and Seth's are younger, so I'm going to hit you first. Go. It's interesting. We've just, we've talked about it at home, just how we feel about it. It's, it's a little scary, and it's really fresh now. I don't know if this letter was sent to you before what happened uh, this past week. Uh, in Florida, but I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you know, we actually have a family around the block from us that has, they have three kids, beautiful kids that are homeschooled and you know, they still go to the Y, they still take classes. They, there's ways you could still, you could homeschool and still be social and leave the house. It's just cause you're homeschooled doesn't mean you're in prison. You could still go out. You could still be part of little leagues and, and, classes and stuff like that so great point so it's not a death sentence i think that's part of the balance though right if you choose to homeschool your children i think it's very important that they have after school activities activities. with lots of other children because otherwise they will be isolated and you know what it's funny because my generation and remember my kids are um in their 30s my youngest is 30 years old and um I always thought it was weird. Actually, honestly, I always thought, wow, why wouldn't you send them to school with other kids? Seems odd. However, up the street from us, there was a family of five, and she homeschooled all five of those boys. They had five sons. Those kids were the most polite, well-rounded kids. And the father made sure he coached Little League. He coached basketball. He coached football. He did so much with his sons and that were you know out among kids. They were in Boy Scouts. They did everything socially. They just did not go to school. And my third son had play dates at their house with their sons. So I think it's a, it's a, a there is a balance, like Shanti says, and like you say, Seth, get them out, get them about, get them around other people because they will be fearful on what's on the other side of the door if you don't have them exposed to other people. However, I understand where I used to think it was weird nod. I'm starting to flip. I'm starting to flip flop on this because now I'm thinking my kids were little again. What would I do? 
So it's tough question. Yeah. I mean, right now, you know, I have a, uh, a son that's in elementary school. He's in fourth grade. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a little scary. Yeah. Cause you just, you do not, everybody thinks it's not going to happen to their town, but like we said before, you just don't know. Talk about it with your friends, talk about it with your husband and your family and, and see where it goes. That's all we can say. And do you the know research what? and what it takes to become a home yes. like certified and all that. So do and make sure like, are you going to do a good job homeschooling right. your kids or are you just trying to do it because you're scared? That should not be the number one reason. I mean, I honestly, I could never have homeschooled my kids because I am that that mother that would have been like, I don't know, no, right. you know, I'm no, uh, I could not have done it. I, my kids are all teachers or, or police officers or or in the education industry, and I say to them all the time, I would be arrested because I would like pull their ear. No, I told you're not going to do that. So no, it, it takes a certain personality to teach your children, and yeah. I, I, mean, I taught them everything like sports, everything like you know fun stuff but to sit down academically and teach my children and I couldn't have done it schoolwork is hard too yeah yeah it's my daughter would come home from junior high asking me questions I'll be like oh, I don't know Google it <laughs> <laughs> gosh I wish they had Google yeah. then <laughs> yeah, right? so so make sure if you want to go down that route do your homework <laughs> no pun intended yeah, but yeah. yeah. and exactly. make sure like you can handle it and like you're up for it yeah. and you'll do a good job good and, point dude yeah. that was a great point I'm awesome yeah you are not <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the next email. Dear One Tough Mother, last weekend my wife's ex-college roommate, Mel, came to visit us. We haven't really heard from uh, her since college. Okay, so it's a girl. <laughs> we haven't really heard from her since college besides an occasional birthday or Christmas card. She called my wife to say she was going to be in the area and we asked her to spend the weekend with us. She lives and works in San Diego and we live above Sacramento. For those who don't know, San Diego and Sacramento are very far apart. You know, actually, I looked it up just to remind myself. I, I think know like 12 hours or something it's, driving. Yeah. It's like the entire coast. Yeah. Yep. Just about. Yeah. So that's very far. She said she would love to accept the invite, but explained she would be with her new boyfriend. Well, we thought any boyfriend of Mel's would be as fun as Mel. So he, he was welcome for the weekend, too. Oh, this sounds like a bad movie. Oh. Damn, were we ever wrong. Oh, here we go. Ooh, here we go. Mel's boyfriend. I'll call him Jay. Turned out to be a total ass. Jay's <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'll, at least he didn't kill anybody. Right. <laughs> Jay is a crude, rude, know-it-all who's argumentative, loudmouth, and just plain obnoxious. I bit our, we bit our tongue until it bled all weekend to keep from telling Jay to go to hell. Wow. Wow. The problem is that Mel likes this jerk, and she told us that, that they would be uh, for regularly weekend, regular weekend visits. She also plans, uh, wants us to plan a vacation with them this summer. How do we tell Mel that we think Jay is a first-class ass, that we don't want to uh, hang with him again, and that she can get uh, someone way better? She has asked my wife what, what she thought of him, and my wife said, oh, he's nice, so not to hurt her feelings. What should we do now? Tell Mel that her boyfriend is a class A asshole, <laughs> and, and, that, and that you're really happy that she's enjoying him, but you don't. So you're happy to have her come without him, vacations together not gonna happen mm -hmm. i'm with you i'd be like hey mel you're great we're great friends and i love everything about you he sucks yeah but they haven't seen her in a while so yeah i like to this i think you just dismiss it don't get into the whole telling them who they, yeah we're good just i don't know we're we're tough mothers yeah, yeah. yeah i'm sorry we say i'm sorry <laughs> we say it like, like we call, we calls him as we see yeah. him. Like, if my wife says oh mel's coming to her boyfriend no no he, he's i don't like him no, so you're gonna come. make excuses up every time like hey we want to come down we're, we're on our way what do you think all right then i'll talk to mel oh we only have friend? oh sorry the, we only have a twin bed now in the, uh, in the guest <laughs> room no. so oh, oh you know we're like calling what, out dude <laughs> tell all right i'll tell i say i tell my wife say i'm the husband I say tell mel i don't like him 
Yeah, you blame me. <laughs> Have blame the wife me. do it. Yeah. No, but blame me. I'll oh, blame you. It. Okay, yeah. okay, we'll yeah. blame you. Yeah, I don't like them. Okay, you don't like them. So, you know, I don't know. Seriously, if it's once in, in a house, while, I guess I'm I could a, deal right. with it. Like, go out uh, to dinner with him. Right. I'm not going on vacation no. and he's not staying in my house. I mean, how many, I guess I need more detail how bad it was. And if it's me, I'm a, you know, I would just set him straight. This, and, you know, reading, when you're reading this, I'm like, wow, this guy must have really sucked because this guy's like, he's like seriously like. Hey, maybe she needs to call me. Sounds like she might have a love addiction because oftentimes women who attract real a-holes have a problem. Good right. point. Good point. So, hey. Look up Shanty because you might S-P-O-N. have a problem. dot com. Send me an email. Right, well, you know, we wish you luck with that situation. I, I've, it's not, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. No, of course. Yeah, we've not. all dealt with jerks in our day, and some you have to tolerate, and some you don't. That guy you don't have to tolerate. You live no. in San Diego, have fun in San Diego. When yeah. we come there, we'll be sure not to look you up. But I'm bummed. Yes. All right, we got our last email of the day. Dear mother, what are your thoughts on legal marijuana? Is it so different than drinking? My thoughts are. Uh, it's got to be regulated somehow, period. Are you talking about legal medical marijuana or legal marijuana just recreational? Well, you know, it's it's. I think from that I would say legal recreational because that's the hot thing now. It's happening in yeah, states, well, several states. They're comparing it to drinking. So, yeah, um, here's my thoughts on it. I invested in a company that was doing legal um, medical marijuana, and I think it's happening. It's going to happen. Do I feel – how do I feel about it? I actually asked my son – I said, so, like, what's going to happen? Like, you stop somebody and they're really high. Not that you haven't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he does it every night. But um, a, a, a lot of different people, my son, as well as a few other people I spoke to about this, said this. I'd rather deal any day with a guy that's high than a guy that's drunk. Oh, that's that's a no-brainer. That's my, my thing, too. It's like, how many people get... I mean, I know there's different levels and you can lace marijuana, but just, it's just regular marijuana. They just had some... How many people are killing people on the road, starting fights, killing, you know, getting in fights, killing people? You know, alcohol is alcohol triggers violence. I just saw just recently, like maybe three, four months ago, about that guy in the city. You know, it's not far from here where he was he was holding a parking spot or something. And this woman got out and she's like, you know, I really need this parking spot. He's like standing in the parking spot and she's trying to say, you know, you can't just stand here. I really need to park and get to where I'm going to be. And he cold cocked her right in the face and he was drunk. Oh my God. Like he just totally unleashed on her and he was drunk. So here's the deal. You're right. I believe that violence and drinking are definitely hand in hand for some people. For a yeah, lot I'm not of saying people. I'm not saying alcohol is the worst thing and nobody should ever have a drink. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it, it happens though. We all the drunk driving happens. You know, all the violence that happens in, in, in bars and stuff like that with, with you know, alcohol really it just happened on a cr- cruise line in uh, Australia. There's a big brawl on the Carnival Cruise Line, like 30 people. Oh, really? I didn't see that. It was crazy. That. Yeah, it was in the, all over the news. So, Well, marijuana has a, is a big trigger topic for me because, I mean, at my age, I'm 58 now. I've seen a lot of my friends from the 80s, potheads. They're kind of brain dead now. I got to tell you. I'm I with you. I think it should be legalized because I don't think we should be throwing people into jail. For, for for, I think all drugs should be legal. I basically think addicts are people who are suffering. So you're going to make them suffer more by going to prison and having a record. So I believe it should be legal. Do I believe... Now, the second question, do I believe you should take it? Uh, if you're not an addict and you can smoke a joint, you know, a couple times a year, perhaps. But people who... I know people, personal friends of mine who smoke 10... 15 times a day. Uh, no, yeah. I'm with you. And, and they are brain yep. dead. There is, a, there is an aspect of their personality 
That's just, you know, why do they call them stoners? Sure. Because it kills your brain cells. Right. I'm not saying that you should drink and drinking's better, but everybody everybody just feels, well, drinking will kill your liver. It killed my grandfather. Uh, but smoking will kill your brain cells. And, I, and I'm with her. We grew up in, we, we're the same age. We grew up in the 70s, 60s, 70s. That's what everybody did. And I know just off the top of my head right now when she says this, three people who've been smoking their entire lives, their entire lives. And I see them. One of them is gray, the color of gray from smoking. I mean, it's so unhealthy. I mean, that's all he does. He doesn't do anything else but smoke. I don't think it's a could, demotivator. Yeah, it is, no, it is a known demotivator because uh, yeah. you're can, happy to just sort of smoke with your friends. It can be abu- abused, right? It can be abused. And, and it is abused. But also, marijuana has a lot of uh, a positive, uh, has a lot of medicinal uh, value yes. as well. Yes, so yes, it's, yes. it's an amazing, it's an amazing but you, plant. But you can take the medical marijuana yes, that doesn't high. get you high. Correct. And my, well, but again. the point is too is like if people are gonna if they want to smoke, they're gonna smoke. Is it as bad? Alcohol, you could make an argument, but you know you can make an argument. That alcohol is worse. Let them legalize it. Let them tax it. Let them, yes. Yes, because right. we're all complaining Regulated, about we're, we're in right. so much debt and we're having so many problems. Just legalize it for the whole country. And tax it, yeah. right. Tax the crap out of it. And the other thing is... But let's sell it in the gun stores next to the AR-15s. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, buy some God. joints. This is a yeah. question and yeah. There's oh, all, oh, no, the kids can't buy the they can't buy the joints of the alcohol. They can only buy the fire. Salt weapons are legal. Marijuana yeah. is not. <laughs> yeah, it, right. it's, it's insane. But again, we're not condoning or... or we believe my my personal belief is if you can control it somehow. Am I worried about? I've I you know I grew up in the seventies. I've seen people that were stoned out of their brain that couldn't drive a car. But am I listen? I've smoked in the past, but it doesn't really agree with me. I'm not I'm not interested in smoking. If it comes becomes legal, am I all of a sudden going to be like okay? I'm going to start smoking. No, if you're going to smoke, if you want to smoke, you're going to smoke. So you know. Why not? Why not? Why are we uh, losing tax dollars on that? You know, why are drug dealers making money? And drug dealers, uh, you know, they help with the terrorism. You know, they, they say that drug dealers support terrorism. So. I, I, I believe what you're saying is true. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, for the rest of the show, we're going to say thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening in. Thank you, Shanti, for being here. We had a great Thank time. You for welcoming you. me. You're welcome to come back anytime. You're awesome. Yes. Yeah. You are very 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 great and helpful and we're super excited yeah me too we're super excited about what comes next for you remember us when we're sitting in that we will want to go to the premiere of that movie oh yeah she won't answer your text yes she won't (laughs) i don't know who this is yes i will she sent me a t-shirt years ago oh wow that t-shirt's paying off nice (laughs) right hello (laughs) i'm your your plus one yeah don't forget oh right away you want to hang with me get away no i want to go to the movie premiere <laughs> You're my only way in. Yeah, but um, yeah, we're super excited for you. And please remember, if you have a question, write us at onetoughmother.com. Christine, who is the wizard on our website and our designer, she does a great job and she makes it easy for you to find us. Don't tell us you don't podcast. We're tired of hearing that excuse, too. If you're like, oh, I, I haven't been listening because I don't podcast, I can't even tell you how many of my older friends say that. Go to my website. It's there. I mean, come on, stop it. Don't be ridiculous. You yeah. don't have to have anything. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to have anything special. <laughs> Just go to onetoughmother.com. You can listen to us anytime. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. And please, please log on this week to look up Seth and see his new shirt because yes. I'm tired of being harassed <laughs> for weeks about that damn shirt. 
And Mother Says This Week is brought to you by American Cobalt Aqua Farms. Thank you so much. Arapaima, which is a fish which is extremely nutritious and healthy. And we want you to try that fish. And it goes like this. And I picked this specifically for this. So Mother Says is, every kid is one caring adult away from being a success story. And I feel that's true. Wow, that's beautiful. Is one caring adult away from being a success story. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. And don't forget to watch for Shanti on our lot. We're going to be on YouTube soon. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.